Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Please take your Bibles and go to John chapter number 8 this morning. John chapter number 8. And it is a privilege to be back in the house of God. It's a joy to be in God's house. And uh, we don't deserve to be here. And yet the Lord has graciously given us the privilege and the right to do so. And uh, man, I want to be able to be used of God this morning and I, I'm like you. I don't like when pastor's not here. I, I really, I just don't like it. I, I love uh, his preaching. I love him, his spirit. And he is the pastor here at the church. And uh, just so happy and grateful to be able to preach the word of God today. And, and uh, with my co-laborer and uh, Pastor Thompson and also Pastor Ryan and, and uh, Brother Usen and Pastor Caleb. And, and all of those we get to work with on staff. It really is like working with family. I love them so much. And uh, what a joy it is to be able to preach to you today. And uh, my, my, my hermanos over in the Spanish ministry, Brother Caesar's preaching over there today. And so um, I'm going to try to preach in English, all right? And uh, believe it or not, I, I, I think in Spanish quite often, okay? So for the last six years, I've been, by God's grace, privileged to preach in the Spanish tongue. But I'm going to try to speak and preach in English this morning, all right? Now, if I throw a little bit of Ebonics towards you, just nod your head and act like you know, all right? Just act like you know. We'll be all right. Okay, so John chapter number eight, John chapter number eight, and I want to bring to you a message right there straight out of the scripture. Would you please look at what the Bible says in verse uh, number 11, please? John chapter eight and verse number 11. John chapter eight and verse 11. The Bible says, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's read verse number 11 together, church family, if you would, please. John chapter 8 and verse number 11. Ready, begin. She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, And for a little bit this morning, I want to speak on the words of Christ. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. One of the most impactful hymns, in my opinion, of all time was a hymn entitled, My Savior's Love. It was written and penned in 1905 by uh, the writer Charles Gabriel. And in that first stanza, the writer writes, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Nazarene. The Bible, Jesus the Nazarene, and, and then he says, and I wonder how he could love me, and here are the words, a sinner condemned unclean. To be condemned means you have been found guilty and sentenced to death. 
It's courtroom language. You are guilty. The verdict of your actions, of your accusations, are guilty. And then you go on to write the chorus of the song, How Marvelous, How Wonderful, and My Song Shall Ever Be. How Marvelous, How Wonderful is My Savior's Love for Me. Condemnation, a word that I believe resonates with every believer and unbeliever. Condemnation. For the truth is this morning, my brothers and sisters, the preacher that's preaching this morning, and so the congregate that's sitting out on the pews this morning, we have all been underneath the condemnation of sin. We understand what it's like to be guilty. And in our story this morning, I'd like for us just to briefly look into the life of a sinner condemned unclean. A sinner condemned unclean who no doubt stood amazed in the presence of Jesus Christ. John chapter 8 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. I believe that Christ went there to the Garden of Gethsemane to rest a while. For in chapter 7, Jesus was teaching in the temple. And the Bible says that the guards came to arrest Jesus, but they could not resist the words that Jesus spoke. For in fact, they said, no man has ever spoken like that man. They could not resist when Jesus said he was the bread of life. And he that cometh to him shall never thirst or hunger again. They could not resist. Now, after Jesus had ministered all day, he goes to the Mount of Olives and he's resting there. And in verse number two, the Bible says, and early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. We understand that the crowds are following Jesus, some because they are hungry, others because they are sick and others because they have a need that only Jesus can meet. And so he sits them down, he begins to teach them the doctrines of the kingdom of heaven. And something tragic happens, something uh, very exciting happens. In the middle of Jesus's lesson, as he's sitting down in the temple, and there's a multitude of people listening to the word of God, coming out of the word of God, and he's changing their lives, and he's blowing their minds, and they're understanding very little, but he's there, he's patient, and he loves the crowd. In the middle of this, we see her condemnation. Look what the Bible says in verse number three, John 8 and verse three. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst... Now, please understand that the Pharisees were very hypocritical people. I don't think there's ever existed a more arrogant or proud bunch or group of people like the Pharisees. They literally wanted to make a fiasco out of this woman. She wanted to make her a, an open spectacle. They wanted to shame this woman. So they brought her because she was taken in adultery. Verse number four, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, and it always kind of makes me chuckle because the Bible says, in the very act, in the very act. So how do you find someone taken in adultery in the very act? Well, it shows you the inner motives of the Pharisees. 
they're always trying to look at the sin of others. And as they look towards the sins of others, they were ignoring the own sin that was in their heart. The very act. Now, the Bible says in verse number five, let's read aloud what the Bible says in verse five. Ready, begin. Now, Moses in the law commanded us. So I want you to understand the scene this morning. Jesus is teaching in the temple, and he's teaching about the kingdom of God, the doctrines of God, and here comes a group, a bunch of religious and zealous and prideful men. Every one of them have a stone in their hand. Now, please understand that when people were stoned in the Bible, they would dig holes into the ground and only their heads would be exposed. And so these men are coming, they're bloodthirsty men, they're so zealous, and they're ready to kill this woman in public because she was caught in the very act of adultery. And so in her condemnation, she's probably anticipating her immediate and imminent death. This is the, the, the gravity of the situation in the scripture this morning. This woman was looking forward to dying that day, and the men who brought the stones were looking forward to killing that day. It is true. You should be put to death if you commit adultery. That's what the Bible says in Leviticus 20.10. Here's what it says. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, listen to this, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now here's the problem. They brought the woman but they didn't bring the man. If the Pharisees were concerned about holiness, about righteousness, they would have brought both of them to the feet of Jesus. The Bible reveals the inner motive of their hearts. Look at verse number six, John 8, 6. This they said, tempting him tempting him. They were trying to trap Jesus, that they might have to accuse him. And I love what Jesus does in the middle of this chaos. Jesus sees that this crowd brings the woman to him, and they said, Master, Moses said that you should, you should condemn this woman. What, uh, what do you say? Uh, now, if Jesus dismisses her sin, then he's breaking the Mosaic law. If Jesus allows her to be punished, then he's guilty of not having mercy and not having forgiveness. So are you a friend of publicans and sinners or are you not a friend of publicans and sinners? Perhaps the greatest theological dilemma and conundrum in all of the scripture is how do you reconcile, how do you harmonize God's holiness with God's love. God is so holy, he can't stand sin. God is so just, he can't just dismiss sin. But God is loving, so God forgives sin. God is merciful, so he allows our sin to be buried deep into the seas of his forgetfulness. And, and the men are so bloodthirsty and they're, they're so zealous to trap Jesus. They hate Jesus. They want to kill Jesus. And they say, Master, what do you say about this situation. They're ready to kill this woman. They have the stones in their hands and they're ready to kill her. 
And in the middle of this, the Bible says that Jesus stooped down and he begins to write on the ground with his finger as though he heard them not. The Pharisees are yapping, Jesus, she deserves to die. Moses says that adultery is punishable by death. She deserves to die. She deserves to die. Here are the stones. We're ready to kill this woman. She deserves to die, Jesus. Jesus, he behaves as if he's not even listening. He's hearing them yapping and talking, and he begins to write on the ground. What do you suppose Jesus wrote on the ground that day? Isn't that interesting? Well, what did Jesus write, Sammy? I don't know. It's interesting that when God gave the Ten Commandments, God wrote it with his finger. I don't know if there's a correlation right there. Maybe Jesus was writing on the ground some of the commandments. Maybe Jesus was writing how much he loved the woman. Maybe Jesus began to write the sins of her accusers. I don't know what he wrote on the ground, but I do know that Jesus began to write on the ground. Their conviction, look what the Bible says in verse 7. They want this woman to be put to death. Verse number 7, the Bible says, so when they continued asking him, they were asking him, what are you going to do, Jesus? You have to do something. Moses commanded this. You have to do something. The Bible says he lifted up himself, and here are the words that Jesus said unto them. Let's read these words together. Ready, begin. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. <laughs> Jesus does not even answer their question. Should she be put to death, Jesus? We're ready to kill her, Jesus. You know that the law says we should kill her. She's guilty of death. We're ready to kill him. And Jesus stood, stands up and he says, he that is without sin, then you can first cast the stone. You see, I think the reason that they brought this woman that was caught in adultery is because they themselves were adulterers. Normally, the person that's so quick to reprove and to shame someone in their sin and to make public the struggles of others, it's a red flag that they are the ones that are usually struggling with that same sin, if not something even greater. Jesus punished this lady, punished this lady. What are you going to do about this, Jesus? He, she broke the law. And Jesus, he just fries them alive. He says, Okay, gentlemen, since you're over here nagging, <laughs> he that is without sin, you can first cast a stone. In that setting, and in every setting that we will ever find ourselves in, my brothers and sisters, the only one that will remain without sin will always be Jesus Christ. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I don't know what he wrote the second time. It's interesting to me. What is Jesus writing? What, what are you writing on the ground? 
It's almost like you interrupted me. Okay, let me blast you. Now let me get back to my business. He's writing on the ground. What are you writing? The accusers all came with stones in their hands, not knowing that they were leading her to the chief cornerstone. (laughs) Their conviction. What happened here, Sammy? Look at verse number eight. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Look at verse number nine. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. One of the greatest tragedies is when an individual is convicted of their sin and instead of running to Jesus, they run away from Jesus. This is exactly what happened here. If you're free of sin, cast the first stone and one by one, you heard the stones hitting the the earth. Not hitting the woman, but hitting the earth. One by one, they went out from the oldest to the youngest. Instead of running to Jesus, they ran away from Jesus. Psalm 103, the Bible says in verse 3, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? (laughs) If God were to mark our iniquities, who shall stand? Who can stand God's microscope when he looked into the heart of man and he sees our deceitfulness and he sees our dishonesty and he sees our fornication and he sees our adultery and he sees our gossip and he sees our worldly entertainment and he sees who we really are. Who can stand before the presence of an almighty and holy and just God? Who can do it this morning? Well, no one. Verse 4, I like what the Bible says, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. In other words, Jesus stood up in the midst and he says, if you're free of sin, cast the first stone. You know what Jesus was saying? This is God's business. This is God's business. Those of you who have children, more than one child, understand a little bit about this. Sometimes the older kids, they think that they can spank the younger kids. Though I have a witness. If you don't stop, I'm going to spank you. Like, wait a minute, what, you don't have the right or, or, or the position or power to spank my child? You're my child. You guys are the same. You're in the same rank. No sinner has the right or the power to judge another sinner or could condemn another sinner. That is God's business. It was the late, great Tupac that said, only God can judge me. You didn't know you were going to hear a little bit at this morning, did you? <laughs> Romans 3.10, it says, that is it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. All pastors, all plumbers, all politicians, all pimps, all pizza makers, and any other profession you can find with a P, all, all all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Then the scripture says there is none that doeth good. No, not one. 
Please listen to this. While condemnation is pointing at you as a person, conviction points at a wrong action, a mindset, or belief. Condemnation focuses on what you are. Conviction focuses on what you do. So some of you came to church this morning and you live in this condemnation. Well, Sammy, I just can't believe what I, I cannot believe. I can't, I can't accept it. I, 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 I committed this sin. I committed this wrong several years ago, 10, 20, 15, 5, a week ago, and I just cannot live with myself. I spoke to a woman six years ago when I became the pastor here at, at, the, at the Spanish ministry, and she walked into my office, and she was sobbing, and she was sobbing, she was sobbing, and she said, do you think that God can forgive me? I said, well, tell me what happened. And 15 years ago, I committed this sin, and, and I've been living with this for the last 15 years. And I said, sister, you cannot continue to be a Christian and a child of God and live in that condemnation. You cannot continue to beat yourself up. And when you come to church, you come with your head hanging down as if the wrath of God is upon you. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. You come every Sunday or you wake up early on Monday to go to work or perhaps on a Wednesday afternoon and you begin to sob and cry and weep because condemnation is out to destroy you. I just want to tell you this, condemnation will always lead to death, but conviction always leads to life, my brother and my sister. Their conviction, they, they said, I'm not free of sin. And instead of walking to Jesus, they walked away from Jesus. If you have conviction of your sin this morning, that's a wonderful thing. Because it's proof that you are indeed a child of God. Because whom the Lord loveth, the Lord chasteneth. I'm thankful for the conviction of the Holy Ghost in my life. How many times I would have wrecked and ruined my life. How many times I would have destroyed my life had it not been for the Holy Ghost of God that convicted me, had it not been for the Holy Ghost of God that stopped me, had it not been for the Word of God that brought conviction, that brought grace, that brought mercy and comforted me and held me back from destroying my life. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, sin will still destroy your life. Sin is the world's greatest detective. Sin will always destroy a marriage. Sin will always destroy a family. Sin will always destroy a hardworking man. Sin is not our friend. Sin is our enemy. Thank God for the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Ah, but these men, instead of running to Jesus, they ran away from Jesus. First John 3, 20, the Bible says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater. Can we say God is greater on three church? Ready? One, two, three. God is greater. If your heart condemns you, God is greater. If your words condemn you, God is greater. God is greater. <laughs> ah, we've seen her condemnation. We've seen their conviction. But lastly, and, and, and let's go with me right now, okay? Stay with me. Lastly, let's see his compassion. His compassion. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10, please. John chapter 8 and verse number 10. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, 
He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Now there's no crowd. Now it's just her and Jesus. It's just her and Jesus. Where are your accusers? Where are the men who wanted to condemn you? Where are they? How does she answer to the Lord? She said, no man, Lord. There's nobody here, Lord. The only one that's here is you. The only one that's here is you. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Isn't that where we see him full of grace? Neither do I condemn thee. Isn't that the grace of God that the only one who had the right and authority to condemn the woman looks at her in the eyes and he says, neither do I condemn you. That's God's grace. Where is God's truth in all of this then, Sammy? It's found in the latter response. What did he say? Go and sin no more. <laughs> 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation or substitution for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3 says, and hereby we do know that we know him. How? If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Those are the words from Scripture. He that says, I know God, but you keep not his commandments, you're a liar, because God is not a liar. And so we see that Jesus Christ does not condone her sin. He doesn't say, well, it doesn't matter what Moses said in his law. She's fine. It's okay. No, 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 no. He doesn't condone her sin. Jesus does not condemn her in her sin. But Jesus lovingly confronts her with his compassion. Her sin would not go unpunished, by the way. I thought she walked away free. Her sin would not go unpunished, by the way. Well, didn't this lady walk away free, Sammy? I, I said her sin would not go unpunished, by the way. Someone had to pay for her sin. Someone had to pay for her adultery. Someone would have to give their life to pay for her sin. Women, where are thine accusers? The truth is self-righteous people accuse you. Self-righteous. People that trust in themselves. Self-righteous. Sin condemns us. Where do you find it in the scripture? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to what, church? To condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be what? Then what is the condemnation then? Here's the condemnation. That men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were what? Evil. Sin condemns mankind. There's also one who accuses the child of God day and night. There's a man who checks in as soon as you wake up, checks out as soon as you go to bed, and his job is to accuse you before the Father. In Revelation chapter number 12, if you go there quickly, please, Revelation chapter number 12. Satan accuses us. Revelation chapter number 12. Please look at what the Bible says in verse number 9. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9. The Bible says, and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse number 10, let's read this aloud, church, ready, begin. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, He accuses you and he accuses me before the throne of God day and night. There's a missionary named Roy Gustatson. He was a missionary evangelist and he was invited to preach in a notorious prison in Jamaica. When he arrived to the prison, he spoke that day to more than a thousand prisoners. When he was done preaching to the prisoners, uh, a guard came to him and he said, Mr. Gustafson, before you leave, would you please come and speak to a small group of condemned prisoners? He grew very nervous because the conscience of, of this would be the last time that these men would hear the gospel. All of them were set to go to the gallows and to be executed the following Tuesday. Missionary Roy was overcome with responsibility. He began to pray, God, would you please save and do what only you can do? They opened the door and there sat 15 that would be executed the following Tuesday. Missionary Roy stood up and he gave his testimony of how he was saved as a child and God miraculously transformed his life. And then he sung that song entitled, now I belong to Jesus. And the words of that song says, Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. 
not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. When he was done singing that song, one of the prisoners fell on the floor and he was sobbing and he said, Missionary Gustafson, Missionary Gustafson, I'm going to die on Tuesday. Can I be saved? Adding sadly, I can't read. Mr. Gustafson shared several powerful verses in God's word and and the man, he, he began to call out on Jesus Christ for salvation. He said, Mr. Gasazzo, would you, before you leave, would you please sing the lyrics of that song again? Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. And all the men were singing, now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. And as the guard let out the evangelist and Roy Gustafson was walking out to exit, he saw the prisoner waving behind and through the bars he could see his smile and he was singing, Mr. Gustafson, Mr. Gustafson. And he turned around and he says, now I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. And I want to tell you this morning, church family, yes, the accusation of Satan is true. We are all sinners deserving to die a Christless death in hell forever. But I'm thankful that the Bible says in verse number 11 of Revelation chapter number 12, here's what it says. And she said, and the Bible says that, that uh, and they overcame him. How did they overcome the accusation of Satan? How did they overcome? What was their victory? The Bible says this, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto death. And I'm telling you this morning, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain, I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. His blood, his blood will never lose its power for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley oh the blood that gives me strength from day to day his blood will never lose its power and what will be my victory as I stand before the throne of God can I claim good works can I claim my profession can I claim my possession can I claim my pedigree oh no my brothers and sisters but I can go home claiming the precious powerful blood of the lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ thank God that we we overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, bless his holy name. Ah, oh, so the next time Satan accuses you, you tell him, the blood of Jesus Christ is my ticket to heaven. Oh, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, my friend, why wake up in the morning? If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, why train our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, why show up to church and sing these songs that have no value? Ah, but Jesus shed his blood. And thank God, it is the blood that takes away the sins of the whole world. Now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Where are your accusers? 
Jesus says this morning, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.